Romans chapter 11, this will hopefully be our last lesson in Romans chapter 11. Now, before we get to uh, Romans chapter 12, we'll probably go over our outline a little bit next week and just to kind of summarize uh, Romans chapter 1 through 11, because that, you know, we see that Paul in all of his books is doctrinal and then he gets practical. And uh, that doesn't mean that chapter 12 through chapter 16 doesn't have doctrine in it. It's just for the most part, it's practical. He applies the doctrine that we have established and learned in chapters 1 through 11. So we'll look at that next week. So um, hoping today that we get to finish Romans chapter 11. This is kind of the third part uh, which we have looked at. And, you know, it's it, like I said, I've, I wanted to go slow and methodical with chapter 9 through 11, because it is a big question about Israel. Is God finished with the Jews? Is he finished with Israel? And so we seek to answer that question in chapter 9 through 11, what Paul, uh, now we know that Paul was given many mysteries. Uh, Now mysteries are, uh, they're spiritual truths concealed in physical things. That's what a mystery is. So, there's a truth there that can be extracted if it's a physical thing or just like uh, a parable, you know, or uh, the fact that there was uh, the dietary law. Was there a spiritual truth with the dietary law that would apply later? And we see that that was. So many things that we are revealed about the Jews in chapter 11. But before I, I keep going, Uh, Turn with me, now hold your place here in Romans chapter 11, turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 14, Deuteronomy chapter 14 verse 2, and as we uh, conclude this chapter, I think it's very important that we get a really good sense of what is Israel, What what is the national Israel, or the ethnic Jew, the nation of Israel. So we're going to set up this truth in Deuteronomy chapter 14, verse 2. He says, For thou art a holy people unto the Lord thy God. And the Lord hath chosen thee to be a peculiar people unto himself above all the nations that are upon the earth. And one of the things that when you look at that, who is he talking to? Who has God made holy? Who has God uh, chosen? The nation. The nation of Israel. Why is it the nation as a whole? Because he compares Israel with the other nations. So we can already know God is talking about the physical nation of Israel, that God had given blessings to them. Now, look at Deuteronomy, come back to chapter 7, verse 7. Actually, look at verse 6. Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 6. He says, For thou art a holy people. Now, Holy, I want to stop right there. Holy means sanctified. Holy means that it has been set apart for the purpose for God to use. Okay? And you remember that they 
uh, sanctified uh, Mount Sinai? How can you sanctify an inanimate object? Well, all that means is that it's been set apart for God's purposes and for God's use. So verse 6, thou art a holy people. You've been separated unto him. Unto the Lord thy God, the Lord thy God hath chosen thee to be a special people unto himself above all people that are upon the face of the earth. The Lord did not set his love upon you nor choose you because ye were more in number than any people, for ye were the fewest of all people. But because the Lord loved you and because he would keep the oath which he had sworn unto your fathers, hath the Lord brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you out of the house of bondmen from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. So one of the things that we must come to realize is that Israel is special. That God had chosen the physical nation, all of it, in the past to be a peculiar people, to be holy, separated, sanctified to him amongst all the other nations. And right there is election is definitely taught that God had elected a people to give the or his oracles, to give his revelation. We, we need to understand the Bible and history is nothing but progressive revelation. It starts at the beginning. We get little uh, blips about there will be a Messiah that comes. Here's the evil that is in the world. And then as we go through the Bible, we see the prophets and uh, become more and more. We see that the nation of Israel was sanctified, brought to God, and he gave them uh, the, the temple, the tabernacle, and the Ark of Covenant. He gave them all the promises. Um, and we see that and when it gets into the New Testament, when the Messiah should come, that it's all about Christ, that, that Christ is a fulfillment of the old. But the one thing that we need to understand as we come, you know, all of us are Gentiles. None of us are ethnic Jews. So uh, all of us are Gentiles. All of us are saved. We're children of God. Uh, we need to realize this special place which Israel had in the past. So we know that Throughout Romans, Paul is, has argued, what, what happened with the Jews? We know that justification is by faith now. The Jews have, as a nation, most of them rejected Jesus Christ as the Messiah. And so now we see an incredible missionary journey that's happening, that the gospel is going out to the Gentiles. Gentiles are being saved. It's going into nations, into countries uh, that were not formally, not previously considered the people of God uh, by looks, by action, by whatever they were. They, they were just not people of God, but now they are people of God. So that is, so Paul, so Paul has brought out that the Jews felt that they had this entitlement to always be the people of God. And they more or less have missed the mercy. They more or less missed the unconditional election. And so I believe that that's what we are looking at. Now, uh, Paul had said in Romans 3, 1, what advantage then hath the Jew? If we're justified by faith and the, it's the circumcision of the heart and not the outward circumcision where you are a Jew, well, what, what's the advantage of being a Jew then? And Paul had said much in every way that there is an advantage that you were committed the oracles of God. Um, and so God had blessed them. God's always blessed them. 
Israel, that he had uh, chosen that group of people, the people group, he gave them the law, he gave them the prophets, he gave them the tabernacle, he gave them all the things, and so God had blessed them. Now, even when Jesus himself came and he preached, who did he preach to? Who did he witness to? He witnessed to the Jew first. Uh, in Jesus, in uh, Matthew 15, 27, Jesus said, I am not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. So, and in, in Romans, Paul says that, uh, actually, if you're still in Romans, we all know this one, Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1, so in verse 16, he says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. Who did Paul preach to? When he, when he walked into town, who did he preach to first? Where did he go first? He went to the synagogues first. And even Jesus, when he gave the church the commission to go, he told them to tarry in Jerusalem. Uh, stay in Jerusalem for now and then go. So we do need to see the priority of the Jew. We need to see the special placement, the special place that the Jews had in history, that they were a blessed nation. And that will help us. Uh, go on, and if you come back to Romans chapter 11, I believe that that will help us get a sense of what is being taught here. In Romans chapter 11, verse 16, For if the first fruit be holy, the lump is also holy, and if the root be holy, so are the branches. Now, when he's talking about the first fruit, he's talking about uh, a Levitical tradition of bringing the first fruit, and then after that, the lump is holy. Now, remember, we looked at that word holy. We looked at that word as being set apart to God, that God has given a special designation. And so he has, up until this point, been talking about the natural Jew. He really has. He's, in verse 15, he says, For if the casting away of them, he's talking about the natural Jew, be the reconciling of the world, and we know that world means nations, what shall the receiving of them be but life from the dead? For if the first fruit, and we believe that to be Abraham, and the patriarchs who God chose, God chose them. If the first fruit be holy, the lump is also holy. And if the root be holy, so are the branches. So this is talking about the patriarch. Both of these examples are talking about the same thing. They're talking about Abraham and or the patriarch that God had chosen in times past to bless the, the peculiar nation of Israel and the branches. So all of these people are holy. Now, we read that, didn't we, in Deuteronomy 14. It says that you are a holy people, that he has called them. Now, was everybody in Israel saved? No. He's just talking about the nation as a whole. So Paul is going on to say this. In verse 17, if some of the branches be broken off, and thou, being a wild olive tree, were grafted among them, and with them partakest of the root and fatness of the olive tree. Now, we're getting to a different example right now, a different illustration. Now he's talking about olive trees. 
Now, the good olive tree is God's covenant people. The good olive tree are God's elect. They are the ones that the Lord has saved. These are the spiritual covenant people. That's the good olive tree. Now, there were natural branches broken off of these covenantal promises. And those natural branches is Israel. Physical Israel. They were broken off. Uh, and now being a wild olive tree, talking to the Gentiles, we were not in that initial promise, that, that initial holiness which God had made with the nation of Israel. We were outside of the commonwealth of Israel. And he says, being a wild olive tree, we're grafted in among them, and with them partake us of the root and fatness of the olive tree. So now we're taking part of the blessings uh, being Gentiles that were now in the blessings of God's people. And it says, boast not. So therefore, boast not against the branches, but if thou boast, thou bearest not the root, but the root thee. Now here is, um, sorry, let me find which page I really want to be on here. Here is the, the thing about, about that the Jews did not receive an advantage because of the Gentiles. The Jews never received an advantage because of the Gentiles. The, uh, when it says that the do not uh, boast against, but the, you, you do not bear the root, but the root thee, the, the branch does not feed life into the root. The root feeds life into the branch. And so we cannot, as we've been grafted into God's covenant people, we're not somebody that's that big and special to uh, give life to the root. We're not the reason that, that salvation is alive today. Um, just because we have come to the Lord as our personal Savior. Really what this is, is talking about, instead of pride, instead of being proudful, that we are now the people of God, be fearful. Because look at what God has done. In verse 19, he says, Thou will say then, the branches were broken off, that I might be grafted in. Um, some could get into their minds that, well, Israel was not special, I was special, so they were broken off, so me being special can be grafted in. And... Uh, but he says, well, but because of unbelief they were broken off. That's the reason. And thou standest by faith. Be not high-minded, but fear. Uh, again, the Jews were not benefited by the Gentiles. The Gentiles were benefited by the Jews. So think about who the first preachers were of the gospel. They were Jews. Um, so and he says here, verse 22, or verse 21, For if God spared not the natural branches, take heed, lest ye, he also spare not thee. Behold therefore the goodness and severity of God on them which fell severity, but toward thee goodness, if thou continue in his goodness, otherwise thou also shall be cut off. Now, who's he talking about? Is he talking about saved individuals who've been grafted in? No. He's talking about the nations, the Gentiles. That's, that's who he's talking about right there. Because we cannot be cut off once you're in the olive. If spiritually, individually, you cannot lose your salvation. 
And so he's not talking about individuals here. He's talking about the nation in verse 22. And then verse 23, And they also, if they abide not still in unbelief, shall be grafted in, for God is able to graft them in again. So Paul is now bringing up the probability of God bringing the natural Jew back into the good olive tree. Now, verse 23 starts the whole what will happen to Israel. Uh, before these uh, three or four lessons we've been through, we have so far we've seen what did happen to Israel and why. And starting in verse 23 and going on to the rest of the chapter, it is a what will happen to Israel. And so verse 23, he brings up this probability of them being grafted back in through belief. Verse 24, for if thou were cut out of the olive tree, which is wild by nature, and were grafted contrary to nature into a good olive tree, how much more shall these, which be the natural branches, be grafted into their own olive tree? Now that's a, it's a remarkable illustration there. Uh, I don't know how many of you all actually know anything about the horticulture aspect of grafting things. I don't know that much, but I do know that you cannot take un, uh, fruit trees that are not alike and graft a, uh, like a citrus fruit into an apple tree. You can't take an orange tree and graft it into an apple tree. Those are uh, dissimilar in nature. But God can. And that's what God has done with the Gentiles. We were not along anywhere near Israel and the holiness which that nation had and the commitment and the oracles of God and everything God had blessed them with. We weren't looking for messiahs. We weren't... We, no one had the Old Testament, you know. I mean, think about how much the, the Philistines were hated and how much you kind of hate them too when you read about the Philistines and, and everything. Uh, just think about all these Gentile nations that did not have the promises and the oracles of God. They were wild by nature. So by nature, they were not anywhere near religious or the children of God, the people of God. But God is able and God has contrary to our nature, has grafted us in. I mean, think about, I mean, just think about the beautiful truth there that God had given these spiritual and physical promises to Abraham, whom God had chosen to be a father of many nations, although he couldn't have children at the time, right, uh, with Sarah and the free woman. But he has multiplied the, Abraham's descendants into this huge nation of Israel, and that is where God had placed all his promises, his law, his word, and his, even his presence was with them. And then all of a sudden here when the Messiah does come, now the gospel, now he has switched from this huge nation just saving people inside of Israel. Now he's gone to the nation of the Gentiles, the Philistines who we read about in the Old Testament, and he's saving people in the Gentile nation. So, and that's what it says um, in verse, and Paul wants us to get perspective of this. <laughs> Paul wants, we were not entitled for God's mercy. 
We never have been entitled. We weren't even looking for God. And how many times do we see that through the word of God, that I was found of them who were, uh, were, that were not looking for me? And so in verse 24, he says, If thou were cut out of the olive tree, which is wild by nature, you weren't even on the map, and were grafted contrary to nature, that's that citrus into an apple tree, into a good olive tree, how much more shall these, which are the natural branches, which be the natural branches, be grafted into their own olive tree? You know, there's a lot of people who are Orthodox Jews in Judaism, and they read the Torah. They are following the law. They are doing it every Sabbath. They're reading the Torah. They're, they're still exercising uh, their commitment and devotion and their, all of the, the tradition that they have towards God, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, as they always have. Uh, how much more likely would it be to God graft them in again? God starts saving them. It's, very, it's a very natural conclusion to come up with. Verse 25. For I would not, brethren, that ye should be ignorant of this mystery, lest ye should be wise in your own conceits that blindness in part is happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in. Um, Let's see here. Yes. And he says in verse 26, And so all Israel shall be saved. As it is written, There shall come out of Sion the deliverer, and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. Now, the fullness of the Gentiles, uh, that's an interesting term, isn't it? That blindness in part, now that is, it's total blindness. Depravity is total blindness. But blindness in part means in time, for now. Okay, for now that blindness is happening to the Jews until the fullness of the Gentiles. All of God's elect, all of God's elect within the people group of the Gentiles is full. Paul's getting prophetic. He thinks that God will take away their blindness. Once the fullness of the Gentiles have come in, in verse 26, and therefore, and so all Israel shall be saved, when God takes away the blindness of whoever his remnant are, of the natural Jew, the physical Jew, there's a remnant. Not all of the physical Jews will be saved. Those who were elected to be saved will be saved. And when that happens, the blindness, you're not saved and blind at the same time. God has to take away your blindness before you can be saved. And so when that happens, in verse 26, so all Israel shall be saved. I believe, and like I said, I'm not going to, this isn't a test of fellowship. Many good Baptist uh, people and, and believe that this is talking about spiritual Israel, whether you're a Gentile, and actually on your chart, which we may get to today, on your chart, I even bring that up, that spiritual Israel will be saved. Spiritual Israel is the saved Jews, the saved Gentiles, the saved Greeks. All, anybody who's saved is spiritual Israel. And we've all come under one covenant promise that God has made. Rather, you are a natural Jew uh, who is saved, the Lord has saved, you're, you're still spiritual Israel. Because a Jew is not a Jew who is one outwardly, but inwardly. Okay? 
Or you're a Gentile who's been grafted in contrary to nature into the covenantal promises that God made to Abraham. We're spiritually children of Abraham. We may not be physically children of Abraham, but that's not where the buck stops. That, that's not the most important thing. The most important thing is to be a spiritual child of Abraham, not a physical child. And so he says in verse 26, I believe he is wrapping up his thought that he started in verse 2. God hath not cast away his people, which he foreknew. Uh, what ye not, what the scripture saith of Elias, how he maketh intercession of God to God against Israel, saying, Lord, they have killed thy prophets, and ding down thine altars, and I am left alone, and they seek my life. But what saith the answer of God unto him? I have reserved to myself seven thousand men who have not bowed down, or who have not bowed the knee to the image of Baal. Even so, then at this present time, also, there is a remnant according to the election of grace. And he's talking about the physical Jew. He's got a person. And it's not, he has a he has individuals. He saves individuals. There is a physical Jew remnant. Right now, it's the age of the Gentiles. Uh, so that makes us believe that there will be a lot of Jews saved uh, there after the fullness of the Gentiles. But I believe verse 26, that's what he's saying. I don't believe he's... It's safe to go either way. It really is. If you go with all the spiritual Israel that's safe. And there's really good points for that. If you're going with those whom he is specifically talking about in verse 2 through 4, the physical remnant, the, the physical Jew, which he has a remnant according to election, you can do that too in verse 26. And so, here's my conclusion. Here's the, the, the whole summary of the matter. All Israel shall be saved. As it is written, there shall come out of Sion the deliverer and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. For this is my covenant unto them when I shall take away their sins. As concerning the gospel, they are enemies for your sakes, but as touching the election, they are beloved for the Father's sakes. Um, for the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. That means they're still intact. He's not rescinded his promises. For as ye in times past have not believed God, yet have now obtained mercy through their unbelief, even so have these also now not believed, who's he talking about? The physical Israel, that through your mercy they also may obtain mercy. For God hath concluded them all in unbelief, that he might have mercy upon all. Now, here's the thing. That really needs to get communicated. No matter which social group you're in, people group, which nation you're in, who your mom and dad are, who your grandparents are, your lineage, your heritage, uh, whoever you are, uh, whoever you identify as on this earth, this Right here, this lesson needs to get taught to you. Verse 32 says, For God hath concluded them all in unbelief, that he might have mercy upon all. Now, I brought this up a little bit last week, and this is a conclusion statement. 
But he restates that God's mercy is not something that we are entitled to in verse 32. Now, I had brought this up, and I want us to think about this again, because I, I, like, I love this. God, we know, had um, appointed this nation of Israel, loved them, blessed them. He gave, him the, he gave them the, the covenant from Mount Sinai, and he gave Abraham the, the covenant of grace, the spiritual promises and the physical promises. Now, the covenant he gave Abraham even though it was before the covenant which he gave on Mount Sinai, the covenant of works. Now, the covenant that he gave Abraham is still going. That's not the Old Testament. That's not the Old Covenant. The Old Covenant is the one he gave from Mount Sinai. The, the covenant that's still going and that he's going to completely complete <laughs> is the covenant that he gave to Abraham. So understanding that, okay, um, and we see that attitude in the New Testament, don't we, that People go up to Jesus and say, well, I was born, uh, Abraham's my father, so I'm entitled. All of these things, I'm entitled to, to be saved, that God has already chosen us, and look how much better we are than everybody else. Look how much more committed we are than everybody else. And they, did, they are not seeing that it's by mercy, it's by grace that we are saved. It's not because of who we are or what we've done or who we've been born in. Now, if you are somebody who are born, let's say, let's say you were born into the royal family, it's, you're going to need to learn the lesson that you're not entitled to be saved. You're not entitled for God's forgiveness. You're not entitled for God's love. And so... I believe, I mean, just that's what Paul says, the depths of the riches in verse 33, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. I mean, it's amazing to see this thing. Now, um, I don't know how many of you all still have the chart. I don't know if you all need it. I don't have my helpers with me. That um, If you do need one, I can put some down here. Um, maybe Brother Richard will hand them out for me. If, if, if you all still need a chart. Thank you, Brother Richard. Um, and so we'll definitely finish this. Now this is what kind of conclude what we've been looking at. Because we think of a pendulum, right? A pendulum will sway this way, and a pendulum will sway that way. Now, God had, through his sovereign decrees and his will, uh, look at number one there, salvation is of the Jews. That's the way it's always been. That's what Jesus said, that he went to the Jew first, and then we know that that is the way it is. Salvation is of the Jews. The Gentiles were brought in, grafted in, into their promises. Now, did God purpose to do this before the very foundation of the world? Yes. This was not something God had to do because the Jews rejected. This was what God was going to do in order that he could have mercy upon all. And that's what it said in verse 32. God has concluded all in unbelief. Okay? So number one, but the Jews are a privileged people. We, we know that, that they were chosen for God the bless. Number two. All Israel shall be saved. Now, this is the part, if you have a pen, you may want to mark this. It could go either way. 
it could be talking about all Israel, meaning all spiritual Israel. Those who are children are the children after the promise. Those who are the children of God are not children after the flesh, but after the promise. Ishmael was a child after the flesh. But we're not after Ishmael. I hope, you're, I hope nobody, I, nobody here is after the flesh of Ishmael. But we're all after the spirit of promise through Isaac, right? So, when it says all Israel shall be saved, you could be talking about all spiritual Gentiles, that's what it says, Gentiles spiritually, and the natural Jews spiritually. A Jew is not saved because he's a Jew. A Jew is saved because he has like faith in Abraham, because he's a spiritual Jew. Um, Galatians 3.28 says, There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither bond nor free, there is neither male nor female, for ye are all one in Christ Jesus, and if ye be Christ, then are ye Abraham's seed, and heirs according to the promise. Now, rather you're a natural Jew, who it didn't, but by nature, God went ahead and grafted you into the good olive tree. Uh, you've not been broken off, or that you are wild by nature. You're just a completely different tree altogether. But God, contrary to nature, has grafted us into the good olive tree. But it's all the promises that he gave to Abraham. Now, number three, God extended mercy to the Gentiles through the disbelief of the majority of the Jews. This was God's plan. Okay? God would extend mercy to the Gentiles. Now, not only did God orchestrate their disbelief, the blindness, to reach out to accomplish all his will to the Gentiles, but it also was teaching the Jews a lesson. And to don't be so quick to think you're entitled. You, mercy is not an entitlement thing. You beg for mercy no matter who you are. So A, the tide has changed. It is used to be the majority. It used to be the majority of the Gentiles did not believe. And the Jews did. Remember the Old Testament? Now it's the other way around. Now the majority of Gentiles believe and the Jews don't. So imagine the Old Testament if it were played out like that. Could you imagine that? If the Jews were the only people of the earth that didn't believe in the, in the Messiah, who weren't the ones who were chosen, but it was everybody else, that's what happened. Now, um, soon, though, in number four, what we've just read, what we just read, is that God is going to flip it back around. So that's that circle. So God is going to do a full circle. That's that pendulum coming back. And he gives us the details of that. Just Let's read chapter 11, verse 30. For as ye in times past have not believed God, you were the Philistine, you were the Edomite, you were those who were attacking God's people, yet have now obtained mercy through their unbelief, designed by God, even so have these also now not believed that through your mercy they may also obtain mercy. For God hath concluded them all in unbelief that he might have mercy upon all. That's the big statement right there. God hath concluded them all in unbelief. All. 
No matter if he gave you the, the oracles of God, he gave you the advantages, he gave you the advantages of raising, being raised in a Christian home and all of that, they, those are blessings, but those things do not lead you to eternal life. Those things are not salvation. Those things do not purge your sin from you. All need God's mercy, no matter who you grew up to be, no matter who you've been. And then, then he goes on, and Paul, actually now he celebrates, because I think Paul even now is saying, whew, our God is a wonder, isn't he? The wisdom the depths of the wisdom of God and the mercy of God. I mean, this is just a small little sliver of God showing us his wisdom. And it just blows your mind. Paul has to throw his hands up in the air. Verse 33, Oh, the depths of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. For who hath known the mind of the Lord, or who hath been his counselor, or who hath first given to him, and it shall be recompensed to him again? For of him, and through him, and to him are all things, <laughs> to whom be glory forever. Amen. Um, one of the things that I know, I've seen it in my life, and it breaks my heart, and it makes me thank the Lord that I don't, I've not thought this way before. But here's dad, my dad, gave his entire life to the ministry. I mean, he gave up a big job in Cincinnati, and he came down kind of like Abraham, not knowing where he was going to land, but by faith he came down to Lexington, went to LBC. He gave his life to the ministry. And there at the end of, towards his life, he got Parkinson's. And it just, you could see that it, he suffered. He was suffering through it. This great educator, this mind that he had could not even say a sentence. And you could see the frustration. I mean, you've been an educator for 50 years, and then you're not able to talk? You could see the frustration in his, in his. And then, I'm not going to say who, but some of my family got angry towards God. How could God do this to this man who has sacrificed his whole life? And this is the way that God repays him. And it exposed a, an immaturity, a spiritual immaturity. That kind of thinking exposes a spiritual immaturity because you're not seeing the, the bigger picture. And today we just hit on that bigger picture. That God hath concluded all in unbelief that he may have mercy upon us. Here's the thing. is It's not about us. It's about God. It's about God receiving the glory. If there is something in your life which God will receive glory from, that pleases God. And he will use it in your life because who is it ultimately about? It's about God. It's not ultimately about my situation. It's about the glory which God will receive from my situation. That's who it's about. Life's not about me. Life's about him. 
And once you can get the maturity to, 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 to understand that, bring it in, then you're going to say, you know what? God received glory giving dad Parkinson's because there he was, a preacher of many, many years, and some of his best sermons was when he was not able to talk. When he could only give one or two sentences, and those one or two sentences God used like an arrow straight through your heart, and it knocked me back because you saw the authenticity. You saw the love of the Lord despite what was going on in your life. You still wanted to communicate your love for Christ, your love for being forgiven, your love and your hope. It's sure. It's not about me. It's all about Him, and it always will be. Once we can come to that maturity, you can see that, you know what? Had God been fair to me, I'd be thrown in hell. I'd be burning in a lake of fire. So God, and, but be, be compassionate, be sympathetic towards people who do believe that and help them. Help them to see that if it were not by God's grace, we'd all be a Sodom and Gomorrah. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to, to serve you today. Lord, may we just raise your son, worship him, and Father, may you draw all men to you. We'll give you all the praise and the glory in Jesus' name.